Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Did you know that you can claim CME credits for many of the TMA Practice Well podcast episodes? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash CME to go. That's www.texmed.org forward slash CME. T-O-G-O, to register for your episode and follow the instructions to claim CME. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this program should not be used or referred to as primary legal sources and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney. Nor should the information and opinions presented as part of this program be construed as establishing medical standards of care for the purposes of litigation, including expert testimony. The standard of care is dependent upon the particular facts and circumstances of each individual case, and no generalization can be made that would apply in all cases. Hello, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I'm the director of the TMA Education Center and produce the TMA Practice Well podcast, where we strive to help physicians and their practice thrive. And this is Ask the Expert, where you send in your questions and TMA expert staff and guests provide answers. This episode is moderated by Sylvia Salazar, VP of Membership and Leadership Development. Well, welcome everyone, and thank you for joining us. Today's Ask the Expert virtual event is telemedicine billing and beyond. Our presenters today are Shannon Vogel, Associate Vice President, TMA Health Information Technology, and Cara Benson, Director, TMA Practice Management and Reimbursement Services. Thank you, Sylvia, and welcome everyone. We'll just dive right in. We're going to share a couple of resources that I think you will find helpful um, when you do have more in-depth questions, and we're always glad to be a resource, but if you want to look things up, but on our telemedicine page, and we'll give the URL for it at the end, but we do have these telemedicine billing tips. So there's a decision tree that will help you decide, you know, how to bill or what codes to use. It's two pages front and back. Um, this may be helpful to have bookmarked or to even, you know, maybe print, laminate, keep at the front desk, whatever is um, most accessible and easiest for you. But I did want to point out this fantastic resource. And then Medicaid telehealth services. So a lot has changed with Medicaid telehealth thanks to our legislative session, last session and the one before, and they continue to roll out and add services. So I wanted to make sure that you had um, lots of great resources there specific to Medicaid. And I think that's what part of what makes the billing confusing is that there are different rules for different payers. And then Medicare, they have a complete list of the telehealth services covered. That link will take you to a zip file that you can download and have an Excel spreadsheet of all of the CPT codes that they cover. And if there is any additional information or caveats to that, that I think you will find helpful. I am now going to pass it to my colleague, Cara. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. 
We have had numerous questions about virtual supervision. And unfortunately, um, as it stands right now, we will see this go away December 31st, 2023. The physician must be present in the office suite. So the term virtual presence is temporary for medical services. Now we are seeing some differences come out between behavioral health and medical services. And so what one of the main things that we saw with mental health is it no longer requires the direct supervision where the physician must be in the office suite. It now requires some general supervision. So the physician's presence may not be required, but the services must still be under the physician's overall direction and responsibility. In addition to the virtual supervision, we also received questions about residents. And what we are seeing after the PHE ends for residents, it's going to be only for those that are in rural areas. So we understand how difficult it is to keep up with everything that changes. So TMA is doing, you know, we're doing our best to make sure that we are you know, assisting you with that. Make sure to continue watching the TMA website as anything that changes or as updates come out, we will make sure to put them here. And we have additional helpful links to the telemedicine page. Also payers, because we're seeing variations in their policies. So we wanted to make sure that you have a link to all of their telemedicine policies. And we can put this on the Ask the Expert page so that you can access in the links um, so that you will have them in case you were trying to frantically write them down. We can make those available to you and we can start taking questions. I, I did want to address one question that did come in about uh, telemedicine and prescribing of controlled substances. And, you know, if you if you're operating a um, a physical office where your patients come in and you do prescribe controlled substances and you've had that in-person visit, then you may continue to prescribe for you know any virtual visits that follow or if you need to um, renew the prescription, et cetera, that is permitted. Recently, the DEA did put out proposed rules. They had a very short comment period, only 30 days. And I do think that they're trying to have the final rule in time for May 11th when the public health emergency ends. But what this rule was specific to was if there were telemedicine visits only and you had not seen the patient in person, then you would be allowed to prescribe non-narcotic controlled substances, schedules three through five, for only 30 days and then an in-person visit needed to take place. Now, in trying to accommodate telemedicine-only companies where a physician might be in a different state than the patient, even though they are licensed in the state where the patient is, which is required, they could facilitate an in-person visit with a local, a physician local to the patient. And so it would essentially be a three-way visit the patient physically with a physician and then virtually visiting with the physician who wants to prescribe. And then that would be okay to prescribe non-narcotic controlled substances that way. I hope that helps. I know it gets a little bit confusing. If you need further clarification, please ask, but I will stop there and pass it back to Sylvia. Thanks so much, Shannon. 
Cara, is it true that all patients must return to the clinics to be seen or they can continue to be for ongoing non-emergent appointments? So for now, it's, they can still receive virtual care, but it's still going to be important to watch the payer policies as we are transitioning out of the PHE and past 2023. So for now, through the end of the year, they can be seen virtually. Great. Thank you. There was another question regarding APRN PA supervision. Are there any changes there uh, with the provider being off-site? Virtual meetings were allowed as part of the supervision required by the TMB. Okay, that would be one question I would have to take back to look and see if there is additional information about the meeting itself. As far as the visits go, it will require the physician's presence. And the same kind of question was asked about resident supervision. It says, I believe it now requires a supervisor to be on site and no longer allows a supervisor to do virtual supervision. Is that correct? If that is correct. It will, unless it is in a rural area. Unless it is in a rural area. Thank you. Will there be changes to payment parity? I can take that one. So right now in Texas with payers, we do have coverage parity, but not payment parity. And so what payers will pay is all over the board when it comes to the private payers. Medicare is very clear about what they will pay. You can look up the amounts that they will pay for those codes as part of the telemedicine visits. They will not all be at the same rate as the in-person rate, but many of them will be. And Cara, is there anything you want to add to that? Yes, here we're going to see some, definitely some variations like Shannon said, and it's going to be tied back to the modifiers. Anytime before COVID, the modifier two that was used for telemedicine, it's tied to the facility rate for Medicare. And we will start seeing that again once after the PHE, for sure. But there's also a new modifier, modifier 10. And so just like with everything else, it's one thing that we're just continuing to watch and see how it plays out and what changes we're going to see with the CMS final rule in 2024. Thank you. There are several more questions. So the first one is, Will Texas Medicaid continue to cover video and audio visits after the PHE expires? They, they do have some where they will still allow the audio only, but a lot of times with the audio only, it's predicated on the patient, on the physician having audio and visual available, but the patient, if they don't have um, visual available, they will allow the audio only that you can drop to audio only. And I know that's with Medicare too, but there are still some Medicaid visits that can be permitted audio only. And again, you know, it's looking at that link on the Medicaid site as far as as they continue to change policies as far as what they will cover via telehealth visits because they are very specific about which visits they will cover, which CPT codes. Another question is, how does all of this affect APPs being supervised by MDs in skilled nursing facilities? That will be one that I would want to do more research on, because you're right. Most of the information that is coming out is geared toward office, not necessarily nursing facilities. 
that is something that we can certainly look at and get more clarification on. Thank you. Can Texas physicians continue to do telemedicine for patients who live in neighboring states? Oklahoma, for instance, but they seek health care in Texas. I can take that one. So geographic location matters for where the patient is. So if a patient, you know, let's just say you are, you know, in a border right there by Oklahoma, you've got an Oklahoma patient that comes to your office. But then if the patient wants to do a telemedicine visit from Oklahoma, if you are not licensed in Oklahoma, then you would be essentially practicing medicine in Oklahoma, and that is not permitted. So you have to follow the rules of the state where the patient is. If you're not licensed there, the licensure compact has made it easier to be licensed in the 32 compact states, but you would still have to be licensed in the state where the patient is. This is true if the patient is on vacation. Some states may allow like a call in for a pharmacy refill or if they forgot their medications and want a refill, but it's very state law specific. So with those neighboring states, you may want to consider being licensed in those states if you have very many patients coming from them. Thank you for that. So the next question is, after May 11th, will we still be able to use FaceTime and Google Meet for telehealth visits? So yes, you will, but for a limited time, only until, is it August 9th, Cara? I I meant to have that date ready, but um, it is? Yes. Okay, so until August 9th, initially the guidance was that um, as of May 11th, you did have to have a HIPAA compliant platform. And then they recently, um, CMS did recently put out guidance that they would extend that until August 9th. So you have until August 9th to get a HIPAA compliant platform. Lots of tools on our telemedicine page, textmed.org forward slash telemedicine to help you know how to shop for a telemedicine platform and glad to talk with anybody who has questions, feel free to call me. So there is a question about, does Doximity qualify as a HIPAA compliant platform? I'm pretty sure Doximity is HIPAA compliant. And I will tell you one way that you will know for sure if a product or a platform is HIPAA compliant is you would want to enter into a business associate agreement with that platform. If they are not willing to, I would be very cautious. So enter into a business associate agreement and uh, verify that they are HIPAA compliant. Very helpful. Thank you. And then a follow-up question to Doximity. Do you need a BAA with Doximity? Yes, you should have a BAA with any vendor that you use. And that goes from somebody that comes in to clean your office to any technology service that you use. Anybody that could potentially see um, PHI, protected health information, you should have a BAA with. If a patient is seen in person by one provider, can we then transfer the case to another provider who is 100% virtual? I would say yes. I mean, that's a referral, you know, and again, you know, if you've seen them in person and then referred to somebody else who is a a virtual um, physician, I mean, as long as, you know, here again, licensure matters. So if you're referring them to an out-of-state physician, maybe a super specialist that is only in, you know, New York, then that patient, that physician would have to be licensed in Texas. The referral, the licensure doesn't transfer with that. You know what I'm saying? So the physician that you're transferring the care to would have to still be authorized to see a Texas patient through licensure. But otherwise, you you could do a referral that way. 
Yes, I also want to add, you know, as of right now, we haven't seen that requirement that requires a patient to be seen in person first before they can have virtual visits after that for regular medical services. Do you, is there a sample BAA that we could provide? Yes, it is on the TMA website, textmed.org forward slash HIPAA. There is a sample BAA and it is a members only, so you do have to log in to access it, but it is there and it's been updated with the requirements of the High Tech Act. So definitely recommend that you use that. Thank you. Are there any rules about billing for pediatric visits, phone or video, with the parent only present without the child? I don't know of any rules like that. You would need to follow what the CBT description of that code is. And a lot of them will include information, whether it can be with the patient or a patient representative or family member. Okay, um, let's see. What is the correct modifier for e-visits moving forward? So if we are referring to a strictly e-visit, because telemedicine is already included in the definition for that service, a modifier is not required. However, if you're referring to regular sick visits, like your 99212 to 99215, then there are variations by payer. So it's really going to vary, but we are seeing modifier two for telehealth, modifier 10 for the patient's home, modifier 95 as required by Medicare right now. So it's really going to be based by payer. Okay. Is a Zoom meeting considered HIPAA compliant? So Zoom does have a HIPAA compliant version of their platform, but regular Zoom is not. So you would have to specifically be using their HIPAA compliant platform. And again, get that BAA with them because they want, if they're not HIPAA compliant, they won't sign it because it's putting a lot of responsibility on them. Right. Is there a handy summary of all the telehealth visit codes? Well, Medicare has their list of codes that would qualify for telehealth telemedicine visits. Um, it would, it's probably the most comprehensive. Each payer, I've seen the main payers, I've seen that you know, they have lists as well. Some will also say that they refer to CMS. So I would start with the CMS list. And Cara, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, it, it would still be a regular CPT code, but then they use a modifier to indicate it's telehealth. So it's not really a telehealth specific code, right? And I think that's where some of the companies, they don't try to be specific or try to put you in a box as far as what you may consider appropriate for telehealth. One thing that Texas law does require is that you're meeting the same standard of care with a telemedicine visit as you would if that visit were in person. So if you can meet the same standard of care and provide that telemedicine visit, they're not going to try to put you in a box as far as, oh, only these codes will count. It's, it's really your judgment. Um, again, you know, Medicare and Medicaid are a little bit more specific about that, but a lot of the private payers are not. Yes, and, and it would come down to documentation because there are specific requirements for telemedicine. If that visit is done virtually, it has to be noted in the medical record, but everything else is going to follow the same rules as if it was done in person. All right, uh, just a few more questions. We were coming close to the end of our time today. Are there important dates to be watching out for to hear about finalization on payment parity? 
So with the Texas regulated health plans, which, you know, constitutes about 15% of, you know, visits in Texas, you know, there's always a bill in the legislature. There's one in the legislature now that we are tracking and supporting related to telemedicine payment parity. Again, we have coverage parity, which means if the service is covered, it's covered regardless of in-person or telemedicine, but we don't have payment parity. So once the legislative session ends, Memorial Day weekend, or actually Memorial Day, we will know it still would be up to the governor to sign it. So it's not, you know, final until it's signed unless it's got a two-thirds vote, then it can proceed without the governor's signature. So we'll be watching for that and we'll put that in our newsletter. But same with any information that we get from Medicare. If there is any news every year, the physician fee schedule has information that usually comes out um, in July with final rules posted by November 1 for the next year's requirements. Anything to add to that, Cara, as far as timing? There are so many different dates to watch for. We have the final rule where we're going to be watching for 2024. We have the Consolidated Appropriations Act. They gave us a different date. Um, so there are several specific dates to watch for. And we've been trying to put all those into one location, one document to help assist with that. So I would continue watching the TMA website for those dates. And, and a, just a quick reminder, if you are not currently receiving Texas Medicine Today, TMA's daily newsletter, um, there is a version that you can get once a week on Friday, but you can get it daily as well. And if you're not already receiving that, you might want to sign up. You can contact the TMA Knowledge Center to be able to do that. But it's really important to, to get that information, and we will certainly cover all of this in our future editions of Texas Medicine Today. So just a reminder about that. So it looks like I've got one final question. Is doxy.me HIPAA compliant? I'm pretty sure that is a HIPAA compliant platform, but again, get that BAA with them because they are a known telemedicine platform. So there's one more question I want to address. I did address earlier, but I just want to reiterate on the pain management and telemedicine, again, being able to prescribe controlled substances to a patient after a virtual visit is predicated on the fact that you've had an in-person visit with that patient. This is regulated by the DEA. This is not payer specific. So if you are a pain medicine uh, physician or managing pain management physician, then make sure that you've had an in-person visit with the patient before you prescribe controlled substances. For telemedicine only visits, the DEA does have a proposed rules out. We've not seen the, the final version yet. We expect to. The proposal said 30 days. After 30 days, they you could prescribe non-narcotics controlled substance, non-narcotic controlled substances for 30 days. A lot of comments were recommending six months, but then after that, an in-person visit is required. So we're still waiting to see what the final rule says. But if you've had in-person visits, you should be good. Right. So this concludes today's Ask the Expert program. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you take away practical tips you can start using today. Check the episode description for the links mentioned and to claim CME. Remember to like and follow the TMA Practicable podcast so you get every episode. Until next time, stay well.